Thank you for tuning in to the Crimson Flow Biblecast podcast. My family and I really and honestly hope that this podcast helps you grow spiritually, get closer to the Lord, and maybe even give you a tad bit of motivation to help spread the word so that maybe your family and friends will find their way closer as well. Before we get started, I'd like to just take a minute to let you hear from our sponsors. Okay, good morning and welcome into this podcast about the Word of the Lord. Now, as promised yesterday, I think, yeah, I would continue and give you all a lesson on the fruits of the Spirit. Now, let's not get fruits and gifts mixed up. And I say that because the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to me, I feel like those are ones that happen to yourself. You know what I mean? Like, these are gifts that really only benefit you. But some of them may slightly benefit others, but mainly this is to edify or make better in yourself make God more godly in yourself. Okay, so, but the fruits of the Spirit are the ones that show Jesus to others. Okay, not by what you say, but by what you do, how you act, the fruits of what you produce in life. Do you create a toxic environment? Or do you create an environment that welcomes everybody to come in? Because as we all know that Jesus is truth and love. We love people. We are kind to them. But we will tell them the truth in what God tells us. That makes sense? I believe it does. Okay, but let's get into this. We are going to the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 to start. If you want to read along... You can, if you don't, and just want to listen, that's also fine as well. We'll start with verse 22, and it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying or one another. Okay, let's go back and just take a look at this. First, we see that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Obviously, we must have love for one another. And we also know the Bible says that there is no greater love than one who lays down their life for another or for their brother the term I think it used, but we all know that it means other human being. Okay, let's, uh, the next one is joy. We must have joy in our life. We we can't walk around all droopy and stuff. Well, first off, well, how do you get to that point? Trust in Jesus. Because, because he will instill in you a joy that you have never experienced before. He will fill the hole in you that has caused so much depression so much anxiety and you will have a happiness and joy like never before 
Let's not all walk around like uh, with our lip pooched out, you know? You are a child of God if you believe in him and have accepted him in your heart. You are a child of God. He will one day rescue you from this planet, whether it's after you pass on and he rises everybody up out of the ground in the in the rapture or he will take you in the rapture himself because we don't know the day that he's going to come back, okay? But in the end, there is peace. There will be a new place. That That is enough for me to forget all my sorrows, all my sadnesses, and just look and say, this life may be tough, but it is a short, short time period from what I'm going to be experiencing with Jesus in heaven. Okay? So just look forward to that. And maybe, you know, the more you look forward to that, the more you read your Bible, the more you, you, you get into the scripture and get into his word, the more and happier you will feel. The more joy you will feel because you will be more filled with the Holy Spirit. And in, in then you will be able to provide the fruits to other people. Meaning that through time, people will look at you and be like, they're a lot happier than they used to be. And then they're going to ask you why. And then you can tell them what Jesus has done for you. Your testimony, you may not think it's much, but to some people it may be everything. Because we don't know the, the troubles and the battles that people are dealing with in their minds. We don't. And we we never will. Because we can't read minds. Only Jesus can read minds. Our creator is the only person or being, I should say, that has the true power to be able to read our minds. And he knows every thought that we have. He knows the thoughts that we purposefully put in our heads. But he also knows the thoughts that this, that Satan himself tries to put in our heads and tries to tempt us with. Okay? So we must remember that. So let's just keep on going. I'm getting a little sidetracked here. Long-suffering. What does long-suffering mean? It is, and I looked up the definition just now, having or showing patience in sign of troubles, even though they may be caused by other people. Okay, that is a big one. We have to go back to the story of Jesus when he was getting beaten. They were a lot of troubles on his human body at that time. Okay? But he had patience because even he knew that his time would end on earth and he would go back to heaven at the right hand of the Father. He knew that, so he had to suffer, long suffer, this horrible, horrible treatment that he was he was getting dealt to him on his crucifixion day. And he didn't fight back one bit. And that's another fruit we'll get to in a minute. But then we got gentleness. How are you when you are around other people? Are you kind to them? Do you snap at them? Are you kind of a quote-unquote Karen? And I don't I don't mean to any hate against anybody with the name Karen. It's just that name that we tend to give people that are not gentle. And if you are one of those people like myself that kind of like to come around as a joking kind of smart aleck, I have a bad habit of that, but not really that I do that. It's more of less when I do that. Sometimes I will say something and it's just the wrong time and I don't mean anything by it and I'm working on it. But if you're going to be like a funny, sarcastic person, be careful about when you use your sarcasm. Let's just say that, okay? 
then we'll move on to the next one, which is goodness. Now, here's the difference, though. We think of goodness and we think, well, how are we with other people? But no, in this sense, in the Bible, it means pureness, holy, and righteousness. Basically saying, and I'm going to sum this up into one sentence, don't be a hypocrite. Now, we all know that the Bible talks strongly about how we are alone than how we are in public. But if you are preaching God's word and you are so careless that you you take your bad habits that you preach against and you put them out there in the public, you are a hypocrite. I, I'm not going to back down from saying that. You're a hypocrite anyway, either way you do it, but... If you're going to preach against it, don't do it. There's an old saying when I was in high school JROTC that I learned, lead by example. If you don't want your congregation sinning as much as as the next person down the street, then don't do a lot of things yourself. Okay? That's plain and simple. Now, I know we all struggle with sin. I do myself. Everybody does. All believers do. It's nothing new. But if, you're, if your conscience is seared to that sin to where you don't feel any repercussions for doing it, that's the issue that you need to look at yourself, that you need to pray about to God. Ask his help for it. Because I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible says, those who ask shall receive, those who knock, the door shall be opened for you, and those who seek, ye shall find. Okay, but it also says... You have not because you ask not. You seek not, or you see not because you don't look for it. And the door is not open to you because you haven't knocked. There is so many people out there that have so many opportunities. God is ready to throw open the doors and push you through. Because you've been asking for them for years, maybe. But you won't knock on the door and ask for it. Okay, I, I'm I'm sidetracked again. So, 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 so sidetracked. <laughs> so, let's uh, get into the next one, which is faith. And I feel like this one is actually more of a beginner one. I feel like this is the first one because you took that leap of faith in calling yourself a Christian. You took that leap of faith in asking God for forgiveness, for redemption, for His blood to be covered of covering your sins. So, I feel like the faith is the first one you will ever produce but the more you get into the word the stronger your faith begins to happen and it's kind of kind of side by side you will grow in Christ the more you read you will notice the more you read the better your life gets on the inside it may not get the best on the outside but you will be content with where you're at goes back to the joy they kind of all go in and out with each other the more you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the more your faith will increase. And we must keep in mind that uh, passage of Scripture that says, we are saved by grace through faith. So, I mean, we are saved through one of the fruits that we are given when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the next one we have is meekness. Now, every time you have a problem, who do you turn to? Do you turn to your banker? Do you turn to your doctor? Do you turn to your... Best friend, 
Well, first off, your best friend should be God. I mean, I'm not telling you what to do, but I feel like if you put God as your best friend, then things will get better. But the the whole idea of meekness is, do you always turn to God with all of your problems? Let's say you got a bill coming up. It's kind of hard to pay. You can pay it, but it's going to put a real struggle on you and your family. Do you go and get a loan? Or do you ask God for help? Most of us would say we would go and try to get a loan. Well, down the road, that's going to cause even worse problems because we're going to have those payments from now on. After a bill, we could barely pay to begin with. So I have an offer for you. Let's turn to God, show our meekness, ask Him for help. He will give you a door that will give you help. Just make sure you knock on it. Make sure you ask for it. And make sure you look for it. Because it's not going to be smacking your face sometimes. There are some signs of God that are. They're obvious that it's Him. But a lot of times, like the Bible says, He's that still, small voice in the back of your head. Telling you what is right. In the midst of all of Satan's raging hollers, He's the still, small voice. Let's remember that. And moving on to our last one, it is temperance. Now, what is temperance? It's essentially a biblical word for willpower against sin. Can you control yourself when you are confronted with a temptation that is very, very strong? If so, then you have a lot of temperance. Okay, that sounded like a strong infomercial from the 90s, but you get my point. Can you control your your lust, your, your attitudes? Now, what happens in your mind during these things? Keep in mind, they could be the devil's temptation. But if you are, let's say, looking on Facebook, okay, and then you see a picture of a underdressed woman. Yes, that may be the devil tempting you. But you clicking on the link is not. That is you doing it. That is you not resisting it. And then, when you look at that picture, even if you don't click on it, but then you purposefully tell your mind to imagine what she would look like without those on, that's also not temperance. That is committing a sin in your mind. Because the Bible says, for those who look upon a woman in a lustful manner, he has already committed the sin in his heart of adultery. It's plain and simple, folks. I mean, everybody says the KJV is so hard to read, but I find it very, very simple. If you just take time to research, just take the time. And like I stated in a previous uh, podcast episode, that the weeks have over 160 hours. And most of us only give God two hours a week. Just two. Two hours. Out of 167, I think it is. Just two. When you look at it like that, it kind of sounds horrible, doesn't it? I think we should all make a point to get on a schedule. Wake up 30 minutes earlier, at least. You know, just at least just 30 minutes. 30 minutes of Bible time. Not including this. If you're listening and not reading along. 
Because when we're listening, and I'm, I'm not down in that whatsoever, but there's so many distractions that can happen. Now, I myself have a really horrible issue of focusing. So, audiobooks, when I read a book, it's usually an audiobook. But also, I realize that I miss half of it. So, when I read the Bible, I really have to trust God to help me focus, to help me push out the devil's temptations of distractions, because I believe that's what they are. When you read the Bible, the there will be everything in the world happen to you in your mind, or maybe even, you know, cars passing by will distract you enough that you quit reading, you have thoughts pop in your head, whatever, you know. But for those of you that have trouble sleeping, when you're laying in bed, you can't go to sleep. Either pray to God or read a Bible. And the reason why? You'll fall asleep in five minutes. I don't know what it is. I've done it before. I've been laying in bed reading a Bible wide awake. And then about five minutes later, the Bible's not boring. I was You get in a really interesting scripture, but the devil goes in and says, No, nah, I don't want you reading that. And you're out. You start getting sleepy. He doesn't want you reading the word because he doesn't want you to know the truth and what it actually means. So we must have temperance to resist his temptations, to resist sin and tainting of our soul. Okay, now, this last verse is not really much, but I do have a little bit to to go on it, and that'll probably put us at the 20-minute mark. And if that's an issue, I'm sorry, guys, but it's God's time. And in verse 24, it says, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. The Bible says in another part, I can't remember which book exactly, I know it's in one of the Gospels, that ye must be born again, that the old creature has died and a new creation has come forth. Meaning, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, even if it happens at the same time you get baptized of the water, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, creating a new creature or a new creation. The old one has died away. You are reset and set to live a godly lifestyle from that point on. Now, there's an old story about or it's actually like an old uh, Native American story that this guy was telling that he said, inside us we have two wolves. One a good wolf, one a bad wolf. The one you feed is the one that will take over. So if you're going to fill yourself with all this hate, all this oppression, all this negativity, then eventually that's going to bleed off into your life. But if you fill yourself with the Word of God, with the the fruits of the Spirit, and surround yourself with people that are likewise in the same... And when I say surround yourself, I'm talking about being close, close with them. Then obviously you're going to see and be a much better person in Christ that will do his works and multiply the masses in Christianity. So I want to thank you all for listening today. That's all I've got. Tomorrow, we will go over the 
gifts of the Spirit. Now, the, like I said, these are the ones that really mainly affect you. I mean, they do broadcast out a little bit, but these are the ones that mainly affect you internally and in your spirit and in your soul. So tune in tomorrow for that because it will be interesting. Uh, there's a lot of, con- uh, not conspiracy, I don't know why I said computers, conspiracy. Uh, there's a lot of controversy about some of them. So I will get into what the Bible actually says about them. And that will be on Saturday's episode. Now also, Sunday is going to be the first episode of the church day uh, Sunday school lesson since I've came back. I'm going to be going over Moses and the Exodus journey just in the beginning parts of it. I'm not going to make it a series, but you get the point. I'm just going to talk about the whole Moses' life and getting them out of Egypt. And it's going to take about an hour. It will take a decent amount of time. So thank you all for listening today. Um, don't forget to share uh, with your friends and family. Uh, rate us on whatever podcast center you got this from. And review. Review helps us get up in the uh, in the numbers. And um, God bless y'all. And until next time.